Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast for the 100th time. My name is Jason Ward, aka Red Sox Dugout, alongside Garrett Jacobs Meyer, Joey Nagel, and Alex Jefferson. How are we doing, boys? <laughs> Episode yeah, 100. Yeah. We're lit. We're lit. We're here. We're here. Let's go. It is our 100th episode, and we have a very, very special guest for y'all uh, for this one. Tom Karen TC joins us for an electric interview. Um, it, it literally was one of the best interviews that I've, I've ever done. It was awesome talking to him, um, and, and we'll get we'll get you that in a few minutes. But first, let's take a moment and soak in the moment here. 100 episodes is a big deal. Joey, do you have a speech prepared? Is that what I heard? Uh yeah yeah totally um so you know 100 is a pretty big number that's triple digits uh so that's where i'll start off um <laughs> yeah i mean it's pretty cool we the pod just turned four four years old uh last week hitting episode 100 now so it's pretty good that's that's an average of what an episode every two weeks so that's a pretty that's pretty consistent out of us you know i'm i'm proud of that yeah yeah, listen to the first episode today a little bit. That was rough. Come a long way. Yeah, we've, long we've way. definitely come a long way. We've picked up two other co-hosts. Thank God. I think Jason, <laughs> Jason and I were on the first episode. We were talking about it like it was like the news. Yeah. Right after yeah. the Sox won the World Series, Jason's like, so Joey, do you think the Red Sox can repeat as World <laughs> Series champions? And I was like, you know. I bet they could. So, so Joey, like, what are your thoughts on the um, the Red Sox? Well, um, you know, yeah, this is gonna t- take a depressing turn uh, because if we're throwing it back to 2019 when we started this, we still had Mookie, Xander, everyone. Um, we had a whole different roster at that yeah, point, uh, which we honestly ta- says more about the Red Sox than us. But <laughs> Jason, the first thing, like 30 seconds into the show, the first thing was you said was so David Price changed his number. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, that was the first thing I remember that because he picked history. 10 and he I was like, 10. why is he picking 10? He's a pitcher. And what, what's the and then we started thinking of all these different conspiracies. I don't even know if we came up with them, but we probably stole them from something because it was our first episode. But we were talking about how his, his son's name was like Xavier or something. Yeah, it started with X, an, X, an X and we're like X is Roman numerals for 10. So maybe that's why. But I, like, I think it ended up being the reason why. Man, we were we were struggling for content day one. Yeah. Garrett, well, that's what happens when you start a podcast in like in February. Yeah. Baseball podcast. Yeah. Good point. Garrett, Good point. Garrett, do you remember your first episode? Because I vividly remember mine. I I don't remember my first episode. Garrett's first episode was he kept wanting to crack some jokes, and he oh, came so out with this sorry, joke. Bro, I'm doing my best. I was what. No. <laughs> 17 i mean that's it was funny cool. though you came in and you just firing off rapid fire jokes there's one about a refrigerator one about a butcher it was just crazy <laughs> yeah so if you I, want I if remember, you want to hear that go back to that episode i'll, I'll try to figure i have, out which I one have it is. a little bit a little bit of a blurb i would like to say i um first things i had short hair that's messed up looking at those first times we were videoing so uh, i yeah yeah jesus that's crazy i can't even think of <laughs> oh yeah that's we basically wild. all had the same haircut back then. 
True. Sure. So true. Episode but, five, dandy jokes. That's the one that Garrett was on first. Oh, that sounds, yeah, that sounds about right. Oh my god, I used to say the stupidest things ever. Oh, and then episode seven. Do you remember when we interviewed Jemai Webster like on the phone? It was just you and me, Garrett. Bro, you remember he flushed the toilet like immediately <laughs> yeah. the episode. <laughs> that was crazy, dude. Iconic. That was I, so funny. My my first one uh, was because neither Joey nor Garrett was available, so and Jason really wanted to do an episode during opening day. Opening <laughs> so day, he, so he called upon me, yeah. and we we sat and talked about our predictions during opening day, and I made an entire like Excel spreadsheet on my like high school laptop. Nerd. Wow, nerd. Nothing's changed. <laughs> yeah, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. I Nothing has changed. Right. Yeah. Nothing has changed. Man, we've had some incredible guests on too. I mean, TC was awesome today. We'll get to that. But I mean, uh, that Jemai Webster interview, that first one that we did was really cool. And then having him on the yeah. second time was awesome. Jemai is an awesome dude. Yeah. Um, Johnny Gomes, which none of you were there for except me. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> um, uh, the only in-person interview was Nick Northcutt and Nick York. In the dugout, in the Nick dugout. Decker, Nick cool. Northcutt, and Nick Decker. Nick Decker, sorry. Too many Knicks on this team, but yeah, in there the dugout. Too, there the are dugout. too many Knicks. That How? was awesome. Nah, How Northcutt's old gone now. Started. I oh. was sixteen. Four years younger than we are right now. Yeah, that's wild, dude. Yeah. I remember we interviewed Jemai Webster, and then I went to a Red Sox game, and I was with my parents, and we saw him out like in in right field, and I was all nervous, like I was just little, I was like. I just interviewed you and I was like shaking and he was like, Oh yeah, the 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 dugout podcast and I was like started sweating. I was like this is crazy. You remember me? Oh man. I'm gonna be a little extra smiley because it's episode one hundred and my girlfriend's here. So Does she have any thoughts on the socks real quick? Have you ever watched Red Sox game? Oh, um yeah, I went I went with Garrett. Oh, that's right. And we got we didn't get let in the Red Sox game once. Uh, I'm not going to elaborate on why. We got rejected at the door. Her and I. Yeah. <laughs> we went to the Museum of Fine Arts instead. I remember, this, I remember that day. There you go. I, I remember getting texts about that. Yeah. That was good times. Do you guys remember that one live show that we did? Um Yes, that was against the Astros. When. Yeah, against the Astros, that was where awesome. David Price, I believe, was pitching and he exited the game. I think it was we Price. Had, we had an iconic screenshot. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, then someone, probably it, Matt it was, Barnes, comes in and it blows was. it. <laughs> yeah, and we're just. And we all had that slumped. screenshot of all just sitting there stunned. I, I vividly I remember that. there was, there in that game, I, I don't know who it was. Hit a ball and it hit it was, the top of the dome. The roof. Yeah, it, it hit the Devers. roof. Yeah, Devers and it would have been a whole run if it hadn't hit the roof, but it hit the roof, so we didn't. We get were it. so like, mad, bro. We were furious. I mean, that's still a home run. Just saying. Oh, should have been like. Uh, did we play basketball? Like a yeah, lot. Yeah, then we were playing we basketball in the basketball. background of the live stream when we got bored. <laughs> Because the game was like so boring for a and, long time, and that was that was when we met our our biggest fan, the Vooch. Yeah, Vooch. he's the one. Yeah. We have, have a couple really I appreciate it. He's all grown big up fans. now, though. Yeah, big Vooch guy. We we, we watched <laughs> the Vooch grow up along the course of this podcast. I mean, we did. <laughs> Dude, there's a, few, there's a few people we should thank. Oh, Sean, uh, Sean Casey. Sean Casey. Shout out. Definitely one of our most loyal listeners. Always appreciate him listening. 
I still follow uh, Stephanie Wajewawaduski. Stephanie Zabadabaduski. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what she's up to or anything about her at all. But that Ooh, I don't even know if she was a Red Sox fan. She just happened to join that live stream and she was talking. You were looking for tips on your Visco. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> correct. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, no, it's been a fun ride and we're not stopping now. We have tons of more content. Uh, tons of more, tons more. Yeah. We got more content for you coming this year. Big season coming up for us. We'll be doing all sorts of different things. We'll be, you'll catch us on TikTok. You'll see us on Instagram, Spotify, Apple, everywhere. We'll be at Fenway Park doing stuff. Uh, we'll try to get maybe some more live shows done. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, that would be good. And more guests and whatever else happens as we ride the wave of whatever this Red Sox season is going to be. Uh, so that'll be fun. <laughs> We're only getting um, started here. Yeah, I feel please, good about please it. Please come along and join the journey. It's going to be a fun one. Step into the dugout. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. I don't know. Get up, get up on the railing. We need a. We need like a really cringy name for the people that listen. Like a. Uh, like a. I don't the know, dugout dogs. I was going to say the seed scoopers, like the people who have to pick <laughs> the seeds after the game, but that that'd be kind of mean. It's kind of the power washers. Oh, yeah. So tons of stuff in store for you. But for right now, let's let's sit back and soak in episode 100 with this phenomenal interview. Tom Karen, TC, the guy you see before and after games. You see him on the sideline. You see him everywhere. He is everywhere. He's been everywhere for the past 28 years with Nesson. So, yeah, let's without further ado, let's jump to this phenomenal interview with Tom Karen. Whoosh. All right, we are joined by a special guest for this episode 100. You've seen him on your TV before and after Red Sox games for over two decades. The one, the only, Tom Karen. How you doing, Tom? Good, Jason. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for joining us. Um, I want to start off talking about the Bean Pot. You've spent some time commentating it the past few days, and we have a big game on Monday. For the first time in Bean Pot history, Harvard will face Northeastern. How about that? Yeah, how does that – I mean, 70 years, the same four teams have been playing over and over and over. How do you never once get a Harvard-Northeastern final? Uh, it's crazy, but, uh, yeah, no BC, no BU. They'll be playing in the Constellation for the first time ever. And uh, it, it was uh, crazy. It, it's always crazy. Every year the Beanpot finds uh, uh, new ways to amaze us. And this time it was, you know, Harvard dominating BC for two periods. BC out shooting Harvard 22-2 to two in the third period to tie it up. And then uh, kind of messing around in the overtime. If you watch it at all, Beanpot uh, had the puck on there. I mean, BC had the puck on their stick most of that overtime, but uh, kept pulling it out of the zone and resetting. One and a half seconds left. Uh, Sean Farrell gets the puck to Merrick Hayduk, whose dad, Milan Hayduk, was uh, one of the best scorers in the NHL. So he emulated his dad and buried it. And uh, luckily we didn't have to go to a shootout because that would have sucked. Yeah, no, that was an awesome ending. So when you see the player kind of barreling down the ice and you know something really cool might happen, are you kind of preparing that call in your head or is it just pure in the moment you're just going crazy? Yeah, at that moment, uh, you're really in the moment. You know, you've been, I mean, it's funny. You, you sort of plan out some things and then it all gets thrown out the window on a night <laughs> like that. So, yeah, I mean, if you, if you listen to the call, I mean, Billy Jaffe screams over me I'm, I'm screaming as it goes in it's uh if you want to go back and find a good one it was 2020 the the one right before the pandemic 
Uh, Northeastern won in double overtime to, to make it three straight bean pots of championship, but it was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. They BU scored twice in the last two minutes, hit three posts. Uh, Trevor Zegras scored with uh, under a second left to tie the game uh, and force the overtime. Uh, and if you listen to that, like I'm, I sound like a middle-aged kid. Watch, uh, my <laughs> voice is cracking. I'm screaming. I'm falling out of my chair. And it's just complete mayhem. Do you uh, do you have allegiances? How do you sort of um, stay even when you got to get so excited about this stuff? I mean, you watch a lot. Yeah, Joe Buck has a great line. Joe Buck on his Twitter says, "You know, I hate your team." And, and if you <laughs> if you if you do it right, like if yeah, there's this guy on Twitter, and I was waiting for it at the beanpot, and sure enough, right as the second game faced off, he, he some guy who whatever he just tweets out. The over/under on when TC starts rooting for BU is thirty seconds, you know, and it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I didn't go to any of these four schools. I don't, I just want a great game. I, I, you know, I do think sometimes, and this will segue into the Red Sox, but I, I do think sometimes you naturally, as an announcer, root for the underdog. I mean, you just, it's a, it's a better story, it's a bigger story, right? So there is a certain amount of that you have to, you have to watch and and fight off a little bit. Uh, I, I'll admit. What, five years ago, whatever it was, you know, it was really cool to see Northeastern win their first one since 1988, you know, and it was uh, that way. You're kind of rooting for that because it's history, right? It's uh, so, so there are moments where you may be rooting for the event, but it's not, I'm not relax. I'm not rooting for the team. I don't hate your team. Okay. Yeah. So you St. Michael's that... college, St. Michael's <laughs> college where I went is not playing in anybody's meat point anytime soon. Okay. So don't, I'm not, yeah, I'm not rooting for anybody. <laughs> You mentioned a transition to the Red Sox. You've been a, a New Englander your whole life, born and raised. So as a guy who's covering your, your hometown Red Sox, how much do you try to balance being a fan of the team and also being an unbiased like journalist and reporter? Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, there, are, there aren't a whole lot of unbiased anythings, right? If, if you've watched any CNN or Fox News recently, but it's, <laughs> you know, it's hard to find unbiased anything. Uh, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I think the fact that I grew up in New England and and have been a diehard fan of this team as long as I can remember being alive, uh, I think it helps me. I think it helps me frame uh, our coverage because I, I feel I've got a pretty good idea for, for what our fans are, are thinking, what they're interested in. I, I kind of lock horns with our producers a lot about what I think the most important story is on a nightly post-game show, you know, as the game's going on, and they'll be like, well, you know, no, I think what fans are going to be fired up about is, you know, is Matt Barnes struggling again, or is, you know, J.D. Martinez not hitting for power, or whatever the storyline is. I, I think being a fan or or being around this team and, and, and not just, you know, being some guy from Chicago who got dropped into Boston, I think I, I got a pretty good understanding for, for what New Englanders are thinking. Oh, sorry. When, uh, you're muted. When... You're muted. I'm back. I'm not. It's been years. And I still can't get Zoom right. It's so sad. Um, so you're, you're obviously a fan and you have to maintain relationships with players and you know the storylines. How do you sort of balance that? Like when something negative comes up, you know what everyone's thinking. You still got to talk to people. You still got to really. How, how do you do that when you interview people, talk to people like that? It's a great question. And, and I've gotten into it with all of them over the years. I mean, it's just, you got to make yourself available. You got to go, you know, when you say something critical, you better be in the clubhouse the next day so they can air you out. Uh, and sometimes you just got to take it. And there's just, there's no other getting around it. You just say, you know, there's, I'll never forget in 2000, 
17, I already forgot. I'm saying I won't ever forget. I guess it was 2000. <laughs> no, it was earlier than that. It was, it's 2009, I'm going to guess. Uh, you know, David Ortiz was hitting like a buck 70 in April. And uh, and we, we we were pretty critical in the postgame show. And Mike Lowell wasn't playing. And we were sort of talking about, you know, Mike Lowell maybe should be the DH, yada, yada. That's actually where Dustin Pedroia, after hearing Nesson, because that's the other thing you forget is when they win, when you come in a locker room, chances are Nesson's on. When, it's, when they lose, everything's shut off, so you can let it fly. When they win, you, you still let it fly, but they won, so you're probably going to be okay. But if you say anything negative, they're, they're hearing it. Players are hearing it right after the game. And uh, that was when Dustin Pedroia coined the phrase laser show. It was that postgame show. And he was talking about what we, he was like, hey, you guys got to back off David Ortiz. Look what I did, because Pedroia – uh, in 2007, when he was rookie of the year, was hitting, I think, 162 at the end of April. You know, but they stuck with him. And that was his point. He goes, look, look how bad I struggled in April. Uh, and then what happened after that? Laser show. And it wasn't him being boastful. It was him being, like, back off David. It was him being a good teammate. Uh, and, and so you do hear it. The next day, I uh, ended up uh, team management uh, said, hey. David wants to see it. And so he and I sat down and he aired me out for a half hour. And, you know, it, it just happened. Pedroia, I met Pedroia once, like, on the, came on the show during spring training and, like, just glares at me like only Pedroia can. And he's like, you know, uh, listen, I see everything. I watch everything. I'm like, cool, man. We need the ratings. Thanks. Uh, but he wasn't happy with whatever it was we said. So you just, whatever. We don't, listen, we don't, we don't ever get personal. We're not talk radio. We're not going to lampoon these guys. We're not going to make fun of these guys. The worst player to ever play for the Boston Red Sox is one of the greatest players in the history of baseball. Okay, that's that's the truth of it. You know, any one of these guys who makes it to the major league level is one of the greatest baseball players in the history of the planet. And and as long as you never forget that, it's so damn hard. The game is so hard, uh, and it's such a grind. And and I have uh, the 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 world of respect for these guys, uh, but. There are times where you got to talk about whether a guy should be playing or a guy slumping or, or, or maybe a guy, you know, a pitcher is uh, relying too much on a bad pitch, whatever it is. And you got to call it like it is. That's how you balance it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, along the lines of interviews, you interviewed a whole bunch of Red Sox players and other players in, in your days. Do you have a favorite, like a guy that you always loved going down to the clubhouse to talk to? You know, it's funny now because he's become a, a, a little bit of a caricature of himself. But the guy who – it used to be Johnny Damon. Like, Johnny Damon was just the greatest interview. And it's it's really – like, I, you know, 20 years ago, I, I started on a Red Sox broadcast as the sideline reporter. I was the first sideline reporter Ness had ever had for baseball. And, and the truth of it is – Johnny Damon showered faster than anybody else. So yeah, we have a, we have an hour post game show. I'm waiting to interview somebody. Johnny Damon's coming out of the shower every night pretty quickly. So you're going to get him. Uh, but it was a really good interview. And then, you know, more recently Xander Bogarts, because like bogey, what, what he understood, and this is why he was such a great leader for this team. He really understood that when they lost, he needed to come out and make himself accountable. And that's the hardest thing to do, right? It's easy to come out and talk when you win. Uh, some nights Bogey would be the only guy to show his face in that locker room. This, you know, they've renovated that locker room and the clubhouse has a lot of places down the hall. Now you can go hide. There's meeting rooms, and trainers rooms, and the, the food, the red, the room, the eating is, uh, you know, the family room. They can go hide until we clear out. Uh, the media is gone. So 
Xander never did that. Xander knew, especially when, when even if he went two for four, they lost. He's going to come out and represent his team and talk to take the pressure off the other guys. And I really respect that. Yeah. Uh, you're getting to a point now where you're starting to work with some of the players that you would commentate on. What's it like working with guys that you used to cover? Like you're working with Will Middlebrooks a lot now. Brock Holt was on. What's that like? Yeah, it's kind of funny, you know, because, uh, yeah, I, I remember Tim Wakefield, you know, Dennis Eckersley used to sort of get on him about the knuckleball being a gimmick bitch. And, you know, when, when Wake first started, there was, you know, Wake was sort of like, I remember what you used to say, you know, which was pretty funny. Uh, I'd get out of the way of that one. You know, most of these guys who have become broadcasters, by and large, um, were, were pretty good, pretty accessible guys with the media when they played. You know, it's hard to uh, – the, the exception, and it was way before I covered the team, would probably be Jim Rice. If you go back in the days, uh, the, the, a lot of the reporters were just scared to the bejesus of talking to Jim Rice. And he the, the story goes he once picked up a reporter and stuck him in a trash can. <laughs> uh, and and so that's a, that's a legendary story. Kind of ripped his shirt. Did bring him a new shirt the next day, he, you know. Uh, so, so if you go back and find the guys who were Jim's teammates, they still chuckle that Jim's become uh, a big part of the media, but, but yeah, I mean, this year it's going to be, you know, the guy we've got Jonathan Papelbon now joining us in studio, which is going to be off the rails. I, I don't know how the hell I'm going to keep that uh, under control, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, but that, you know, he's a guy, he was a guy and I don't know if he remembers this stuff, never really talked to him because everything he's done with us has been pretty much zoom. He's come up a few times, but now he's going to be coming up and joining us in person. And I got to bring this up with him sometime where once he was struggling as the closer and it was Dennis Eckersley and me in a postgame show. And we'd been taking him to task for struggling. And in the middle of an interview, and you got to remember like, you know, we don't see these interviews in advance, right? So we're on the postgame show. And all right, John of the Babylon just spoke to me. Let's hear what he had to say. And in the middle of his interview, he's like, yeah, I don't worry about the, you know, blowing a save. Let TC and Eckersley worry about that. They seem all worried. Yeah, I'm like, why, why are you bringing us into this? We got <laughs> nothing to do with this. Uh, but but he's great now. He's fun. So, yeah, these guys are um, – Will Middlebrooks is, uh, to me, such a bright, shining young star in, in broadcasting because he, he really is one of those rare players who used analytics when he played to try to, to bring himself out. So where you have a lot of players who kind of like, ah, the nerds are taking over the game. And then you have this sort of analytics group saying, well, anybody can do that if you put them in the right position. Will really is a guy that kind of straddles both sides. He understands the analytics, understands how they can help a player and understand what a player needs to do with all that information to make himself better. So I think he's really refreshing. And I think Uke has been, Eucalyptus has been great in the booth. So uh, we're lucky. We've got a good group. You mentioned analytics. I'm curious, what's your take on kind of the analytic wave in baseball, all of these stats, X, Woba, Z, Zorp, whatever. Like, what's your take on those analytics coming into the game and becoming a huge part of baseball? Yeah, huge WRC plus guy. Uh, always <laughs> have been. Uh, the, I, I, you know, it's funny. I like analytics. I'm kind of, a, I'm a little bit of a nerd. I mean, I like, I like the numbers, but I, you know, what baseball is, I think the mistake baseball has made, capital B baseball as an industry, right, is, is I, don't, I mean, how old are you guys? Who's the oldest out of this group? Like 21. All right. So you got, what do you got? Do you guys, I, I still have this feeling. I'm an old guy, okay? So I've, I've got kids your age, kids older than you. And, but I, I still feel that if I do a deep dive on, on expected batting average 
based on their performance against elevated fastballs. I feel I can hear the viewers' eyes glazing over and the drool starting to fall out of their mouth as it goes off. Am I wrong? I mean, do you guys want to hear more of that? I personally, I'm a big stats guy, so I, I love that stuff. But, like, I would assume that most people don't. Yeah, but, yeah, no, but I mean, so let's – no, hang on. Me and you talk for a second because I'm a huge <laughs> stats guy too. I love looking them up. I love using them to evaluate what a player or a team is doing. But I still find it hard to have a, an engaging conversation about it. Do you know oh. what I mean? I, that's, you know, that's, that's the problem. Like, on TV, is it compelling television? I still don't think so, even though I'm a stats guy. Now, well, I think you've got to drop it in easily. You've got to use it in the conversation of a guy. But you can't, you know, maybe you show a list, right, of the guy, you know, park-adjusted ERA. Here you go. You might not, you might not understand that, that, that Brazier's FIP in, in September was considerably better than prior to, or his BABIP really skews to some unlucky numbers. You know, I'm into all of that. But you got to be careful not throwing it, you know, pounding over the head with it, right, I think? I, I totally agree with you, especially just because, like, you have to assume that the standard viewer doesn't know what BABIP or right. XWOBA are. And, like, right. it's a very – it's interesting to see how announcers that are – your analysts that are coming up now are using it less sparingly than announcers who have maybe been working for a longer period of time. And, like, this is stuff that's just, like, been thrown at them as they've been in the industry. Right. So, and I, and you know, and I, I, I think I'm a little bit of a, a unique case in that I'm, I've been doing this a very long time and I'm incredibly old and I still embrace that stuff because I think, you know, I'm just, I'm a curious guy and I think you have to evolve and that's the way the game is, is being, you know, is being analyzed now. Now I still think different players need different amounts of information. Some guys want it all. Some guys, you really got to dumb it down. And, and handle it to them. But, you know, it's gone from the days of this is how a front office is signing a guy to this is how a front office is starting to realize that Rich Hill can do more with a curveball than just use it as an off-speed pitch. So they use Brian Bannister to work with Rich Hill to get him to throw more curveballs, and he resurrects his career from when he was in the uh, Independent League Long Island Ducks to signing a four-year eight-figure contract with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So there's there's no getting around that it's a huge part of the game. But to your point, you know, like you said, Alex, do you have to then stop and explain everything you're saying? And that's the killer on TV. You know, if I have to if I have to spend a minute explaining ex-woba, then I've, I give the clicks are, you know, flying. I can hear everybody grabbing their, you know, and, and, and starting to stream Netflix because I just, you know, bored the hell out of them. So it's a fine line. I think, I think there are ways to, to bring it in that you can't, and I'm not going to name a name, but we had an analyst who's not with us anymore. And he'd come on every night. Oh, the nerds are ruining the game. And, you know, I mean, that's, you're going to, you know, that's the old, that's the, uh, what is it? Homer Simpson screaming at the, the old man. It's his grandfather, right? It's screaming at the cloud. Uh, you just you can't ignore it because it's here and it's not going away. How much leeway do you have in terms of the producers telling you what you have to talk about versus you bringing your own stuff? Like, if you want to bring up some advanced analytics, can you just go ahead and do that, or do the producers kind of tell you what what you're going to be talking? No, about? no, I can go ahead and do it. I mean, that's the thing <laughs> when you've been around as long as I have. You, they sort of yeah, they've 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 learned to pick their fights. Um, 
I, you know, you should have one of my producers on it. <laughs> you get all, yeah, you hear a whole different story about me. Uh, I, I, I get pretty passionate about what I think is important, what I think is not. So uh, we do, uh, you know, we have like a, it's, it's great. You wake up in the morning during the season, we have a thread going, there's a, an email or text chain with the producers and the game guys and the pregame postgame guys. And we throw out a lot of ideas. And usually we sort of come, you know, by midday, early afternoon, there's a meeting of the mind of what's important tonight how we're going to highlight that, you know, and, and sometimes, sometimes it's as simple as they're hitting. <laughs> yeah. Let's show, yeah, let's show some offense. Uh, but sometimes it's, you know, Brian Bayo really hasn't looked that good statistically yet, but if you dive into some of the deeper numbers, he's doing some things that get you pretty excited about his future. And, and our producers will, will carry on. Not, we have, yeah, we have a couple different producers and, and they're, various degrees of buy-in to the, to the advanced uh, uh, analytics. But by and large, they understand that if we can use this stat to tell this story, let's do it. It's all storytelling. I mean, right at the end of the day, right. that's what you go back to. It's all storytelling. Are you telling a good story and how are you telling it? Sometimes it's with stats. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just highlights. Sometimes it's, you know, last night they won 10 to 9 with a walk-off in the ninth. Here's a look back with some music in the background. There's nothing I can say that's going to make that any better than just watching it again. You know? Exactly. When they, when they win 17 to three, you want to talk about the, all the hits they got, not the advanced analytics. <laughs> right. And when they lose 17 to three, pretty good chance. We're just going to talk <laughs> about tonight's game, not last night's game. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so take us behind the scenes a little bit when you're doing the, the pregame show and the postgame show, what's going on in the middle? When the game's going on, I know you got that new studio out in left field or yeah. right field now. Are you watching the game from there? Well, the first and most important thing we're doing is eating dinner. Okay, that <laughs> is, and, uh, and it's it's a run, yeah. And at, at Fenway, that's easy because there's food all around. Uh, it's a little more of a complicated, delicate situation when they're on the road and we're in the studio. And, and again, our producers will tell you that they've learned from me, and I'm speaking for the crew, not just for me. Making sure dinner is waiting at 7 p.m. when we come off the set is probably the most important thing anyone will do on a given day because I've been there before. If you wait till 7, we make the order at 7. Uber Eats is running late. DoorDash can buy. They don't get there till 8.30. It's a fast-moving game. It's a seventh inning. I don't have time to eat. Now I'm cranky. Just get the food there at 7 <laughs> o'clock. Okay. So, so basically, you know, you know what I always tell people is you sort of divide the game into, into thirds. So the first third, you're eating, you're joking, you're talking about the pregame show, and you're letting the game sort of, you know, take its path, right? Where's this game taking us? Middle of third, uh, middle three innings, you're really locking in now what's happening in this game. And again, sometimes the game's over in the first inning, right? We know that. But by and large, the first third is sort of where are we going tonight? Is it pitching? Is it hitting? Is it an individual performance? Is it a lot? What is it? What's happening? Middle third is, all right, Here's what's happening. What do we start focusing in on? Let's cut a package of Tanner Houck sliders to right-handed batters. You know, and so sometimes it's very specific. Sometimes it's, you know, Brock Holt hit for the cycle. Let's show the cycle, right? Sometimes it's very self-evident, but sometimes you dive in on a specific thing. They're, they seem to be struggling turning double plays tonight. Let's get some replays of Arroyo having trouble getting it out of the glove or what, you know, whatever it is. Right. And then the final third is when we sort of take what we're building, the video packages, move them around, get them in order, tell the story, discuss how, you know, what's most important, what's next, 
what's happening out of town that maybe is important tonight or, or gets bumped down to later. And then in the ninth inning, you get out in the studio and hold your breath that it doesn't blow up because that happens, you know, once a week, right? It's all that work you did for eight innings doesn't mean squat because they just scored four runs in the top of the ninth and we lost and here we go. Yeah. Those are, those are my favorite nights, by the way. The producers, I hate them, <laughs> but I love those because when you come on, then you're fired. It just happened. You know, win or lose. When, when stuff goes down in the ninth inning, I love that because now you come on and you're like, whoa, all right, let's, you know, pick it up there. You know, best ever was the World Series in 13 coming on the air right after the Will Middlebrooks interference play with Alan Craig that, that you know, we came on a minute and a half after that happened. So it was me and Eckersley were like screaming at the top, you know, just what the hell just happened? Those are the great nights. Yeah. Now, what what about those nights where it just seems to never end? It goes into extra <laughs> innings, and you're crossing the 14th inning, the 15th inning. Yeah. What are those like? They suck. <laughs> uh, yeah, throw a rain delay in there, and you've got the the perfect uh, bat. Rain delays are yeah, they're the worst. Because, and by the way, I'll, I'll give you a little inside uh, knowledge that Major League Baseball this coming season. I, I don't even know if they're publicly saying this, but there's going to be a bigger effort this year to finish games in bad weather than ever before uh, because the schedule is completely different and you have a lot more, this is the final time this team comes to this city situations, right? Or now with you're playing every national league team, you're only playing once. Uh, but now you've got 15 teams that are pretty much the only time you played them all year. So if it gets rained out, you've got to move a lot of crap to get that team back to Fenway to, to finish that series. So, uh, yeah, those those games, I mean, some nights, long rain delays actually can be fun because you get punchy, and we, we've done some pretty stupid stuff on the air, uh, filling rain delays, but <clears throat> those can be those can kind of be fun. Uh, the long extra inning games, and that's why I know not everybody, I love the guy on second and extra innings, not because it makes the game quicker, though it does, and, and that's a nice byproduct. I – I Jerry Remy, rest in peace, used to say the 10th inning is the worst inning in baseball because the 10th inning, closer's probably still out there throwing gas. you got three guys trying to end the game with one swing of the bat, and so you get two strikeouts and a ground ball to the you know, first base, and then the next team comes up, does the same thing, and then you get to the 11th, and now teams start to play baseball again, right? With the guy on second, I love it because 10th inning immediately becomes strategy. You know, are they walking the guy to set up the double play? Are you bunting the guy to get him over to third? You know, right away the wheels are turning and the manager's got to make moves. And I love it. I, I just love the strategy. Uh, so I, I, I don't even know if it's back this year. I, they hadn't decided. I don't know if you – I haven't even looked at that yet. Um, but I hope it is because I think that, that, that makes extra innings more excited. And, again, hopefully, if you get to the 10th inning, hopefully this year that's going to be at 945 instead of 1045. Right with the pitch clock and, and, and everything changing, the, the games really should be, I think it was 25 minutes on average quicker in the minors last year with the pitch clock. So we were, I think the average was 307 in Major League Baseball last year. I'm sure we were over. We're always one of the teams that slow everything down. Uh, but if you take 25 off 307, right now you're talking 245 or so most nights, which is nice. Right now it's before 10 o'clock. You get a game done before 10 o'clock, you're in good shape. Yeah, maybe it'll cut down those four-hour Red Sox-Yankees games. <laughs> oh, my God. This, uh, the, the longest nine-inning game in Major <laughs> League history. I did. Okay, 2006. 
And it was the second game of a doubleheader at Fenway against the Yankees. First game, one extra innings. It was the Jimmy Fun Radio Telethon, so we've been on the air all day. First game at noon, second game at 8. Went four hours and 46 minutes on a nine-inning game, I think, this is the time. And that is still the longest nine-inning game in the history of baseball. I've done longer games that were extra innings. It got to the point when Mike Timlin got, like, hurt on the mound. It was me and Dennis Eckersley, and we were cheering. You know, the new pitcher comes in and has, has all the time. He has to warm up. We're like, might as well get the record. And we knew it. At that point, we figured out what the record was. We were counting down, and we broke the record. But that was like a, we went on the air at 11 a.m. in a pregame show, and we got off the air at the postgame show at 2 a.m. Um, so yeah fewer of those would be a good thing yeah yeah for sure so with those with those long games and late nights as you said like it can get it can drag on um who do you think is the best at like keeping the energy keeping the good vibes in the studio i know you guys love to joke around you have like your rain delay pizzas and whatnot (laughs) yeah who do you think keeps the energy up the most Uh, that's a good question. Well, Papelbon's going to, I'm assuming, because uh, he's nuts. Um, Middlebrook, you know who's funny? And Lenny DiNardo is actually a really funny guy. Uh, and if you've ever go back, you can Google him, and he's got him out there. He's done a uh, – some. he'll do he, – he likes to produce little funny videos. So he's done a couple of, like, what we do during rain delays, and they're pretty funny. Like, it's, it's just him, you know, it's him running around with all the – interns and producers at Nesson like playing Jenga and trying to, you know, uh, uh, do the, the wet willy in people's ears. And it was just this whole spoof of like what really goes on behind the scenes. So Lenny's pretty funny. He's uh, except he's a big kombucha guy, which bothers me. He's like, he's always trying to get us to drink kombucha. And that bothers me. But other than that, it's a good guy. That got me thinking. I love asking players this, um, but do you have any kind of a pregame ritual or pregame meal that you always want to go to? Well, no pregame meal because that's the whole thing. You got to eat after the pregame right. show. If you eat before the pregame show, you you, know, you got the food coma and you're digesting and you're not you're not going to have energy. Uh, I have to have a so my the only real regular routine, and I will lose my crap if I don't get it is. Late, you know, around three o'clock or so, I gotta have the largest black iced coffee I can find, preferably from Dunks, uh, but it could be from anywhere. Uh, and so that beating up, as our producers call it, like, like if I'm getting cranky, they'll say, "Did you not bean up?" Uh, and and so you gotta bean up around three o'clock, and uh, and and that's about. It. I mean, really, no. I mean, it's just the routine is kind of what you do. You know, get get to the ballpark go check in with the producers, go down to the clubhouse, talk to the guys, see what's going on, watch batting practice, go up, get the game notes, go back out to the studio, start. We don't, I don't write a lot. A lot of it is just kind of conversation, but you know, I'll write a script for like the teases, you know, coming up next, yada, yada, yada. Cause half the time, by the time we get there, I have no memory of what's coming up next. Uh, so it helps. To, so, you know, you just do a little of that, but the real goal is try to have all of that done on a normal night by five forty-five. So that then you have like 10 or 15 minutes to just kind of clear your head, walk around, take a deep breath, go to the bathroom, do all those stupid things you got to do before yeah. the show. Yeah. Order food, order food. Make sure the guy's got your food order. I forgot that. That's important. Of course. Can't forget that. Um, obviously, the pregame postgame has been your main gig for a while, but you've kind of been doing it all. You've done play-by-play. We talked about it with the Bean Pot. You've done it for the Sox too. Uh, you've done articles. You've done. You've been a sideline reporter out there on the field. 
what do you enjoy doing the most? If any of those. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, 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 it's, it's really lame answer. I understand, but I kind of all of it. That's what I like about it is I get to do, you know, I love doing the bean pop play by play the other night. That's an absolute blast. Uh, I, I, I like during the season, you know, Jemai Webster's our sideline reporter, but he takes a little time off. And when he does, I go back to sidelines and I like doing that because it gets you back, you know, on the field and in the clubhouse and, and around the guys. And I, I, I tend, I'm a little different as a sideline reporter. I do more zany stuff than most of our guys do. Like I'll go up into the crowd and find stuff. You know, we found a prom last year, the Marblehead high school prom was going on up at the thing. And I, you know, found that. Yeah. I don't know if you guys, there was a game. It's, I'm pretty proud of this. For an old guy, a thing I did is still the most watched TikTok on Nesson. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm not a TikTok guy. But uh, I went out to Kansas City. There was this ball that hit the foul pole, or but it was the padding. And it was a big d- delay over whether or not it was a home run or a fair ball or whatever the hell it was. So the next thing, I actually went out there and kind of climbed on. While the game's going on, like I'm climbing on the foul pole and trying to explain it. And I'm just butchering it i clearly have no idea what i'm talking about in the thing but it's pretty funny um so i like doing stuff like that like another game in kansas city last year i did the series there it was uh really hot and so we, it was I, it was fake that we had set it up before but i had you know the fountains out there so i kind of acted like i was going to go climb in the fountain to cool off and they had a security cop come grab me and like pull <laughs> me off and threaten to arrest me it was pretty funny so i i like doing that but i also really like like sitting there talking baseball with Will Middlebrooks, you know, and Jim Rice and, and, and these legends uh, is awesome. You know, I love doing that and getting ready. You know, you, I, I interrupted my packing in the middle of this spring trainings next week, and I'll be down there for almost the whole time. And, and, you know, I'll host, we host the show. I'm doing a sideline, a bunch of games, doing play-by-play of a few games. Um, we do those, my stories, which I really enjoy because they're like, sit down with a guy for like an hour and really dive into his life story. Uh, and we put those together. I really like those. So I really, you know, Ness has been great to me because it's really a blessing to be able to do all these different things. And I love it all. Yeah. One of the things you did recently, I, I couldn't let it go without talking about this. Um, Sox winter weekend, you're hosting the town hall and, and the crowd's going crazy, booing ownership. How do you, as a host, does any kind of panic set in when you just, they're not letting the owners talk how do you kind of handle that as a host? Well, first of all, I mean, they cheered wildly for me. Okay. So let's just, you know, let's, well, of course. let's just start there. Okay. So I want to just, and, and for Adam Bellerin and for Jemai Webster, they love us. So we're doing our job. Uh, yeah, it was, it was weird. I've never been through anything like that. We'd had this production meeting uh, before the thing. And I was like, ah, they're not going to boo that much. I mean, because they were talking about what if they boo? I was like, yeah, there'll be some boo, but it won't be bad. Oh my God. I mean, it was worse than the state of the union the other night. I, I like to think that we sort of gave the Republicans the idea that you just start screaming in the middle of a speech. If it wasn't for town hall, they might not have done that. Uh, and so I, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I give, I really do. And this sounds like a company line, but I mean, I give the, the John Henry and, and, and Sam and I am a lot of credit for sit, sitting there and taking it. Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't shy away from it. We weren't asking softball questions. You know, I asked, I get the big crowd. I was like, you know, you're 12th in payroll, but you you charge the most of any team for tickets. And the crowd's like, yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, you got to ask tough questions. And they said, go ahead. You know, we're not, we're, we're in a tough path. Here's the thing I think people forget and over. They've won four World Series. 86 years we waited for a World Series. They snapped that in 04. And now they're like the most hated people. I Come on. 
I mean, you think suddenly they don't care about winning? That's just ridiculous. Uh, And I know Dan Shaughnessy has had a lot of fun with their decisions in recent years, and that's fine. He's really good at what he does. But at the end of the day, this team still wants to win. And they brought Heim Bloom in because they thought what Dave Dombrowski didn't go all in to win a championship was going to lead to to a lot of bad years, a complete rebuild, and it was going to be a six, seven, eight Baltimore Orioles type run. Okay, so now are we in the middle of that? I don't know. Last place in twenty twenty, last place last year, a magical ride in between. Uh, and and you know you don't keep Bogarts, and why do they not keep Bogarts? Well, I mean it's pretty clear that they felt they weren't going to have the team to build around Bogarts. And, and, you know, make that contract worthwhile because you're going to be paying him when he's 41 because you want to get him at his best over the next three to five years, right? And where is this team going to be? Now, can they surprise some people? Sure. But their point was it's not worth the 10th year, the 11th year of that deal because of where we are now. We still have to build. We still have to bring these young guys up. And I really believe in the young guys coming up. I love Casas. I think he's been great. Uh, I like what I saw from Bayo. Uh, Marcelo Meyer by all accounts is going to be a superstar. I mean, he's, he's as close to a can't miss guy as they've had in a long time since the Bogarts bats group was coming up. Uh, you know, Brian Mata, I think is going to be a good pitcher. I think they've got some guys. Um, uh, Raphael Sedane uh, has been uh, uh, phenomenal. Uh, so I, you know, and what we get into this year's team, what I do like about this year's team is it, I'm not saying they're going to win the world series, but there's like kind of a 2013 vibe to it. You know, like, Justin Turner is Mike Napoli and 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 Adam Duval is Shane Victorino and and you know maybe Yoshida is Gomes. I don't know what Yoshida is. Nobody does. So we'll see what that is. Uh Corey Kluber is Ryan Dempster. You know, those guys were veterans brought in short-term deals. Everybody bitched about it at the time. And forget that they won the World Series. There's some lightning in a the bottle there. Okay. If, if Ortiz doesn't hit the Grand Slam, they probably get swept by the Tigers. But if you go back to the regular season, that was a good team. Because Gomes and Victorino and Napoli and Dempster and all these guys were veterans who'd won elsewhere and they were not going to let, you know, when you have guys like that, you don't usually have a four, five, six game losing streak very often. Right. And I really think that's what Turner and, and Kenley Jansen on the back end, it's completely retooled bullpen. So I actually think this team is going to surprise some people. So that was a really long answer to get back to town hall uh, that I, you know, as a, as a, as a host of that, you just navigate it. You just navigate it. You know, at one point I tried to say, let them talk. And then I realized, yeah, they're not going to let them talk. So yeah. I didn't say that again. And you just let them, you know, let them interact. And that's what happened a couple of times, right? It like blew them interacted with the guy yelling. Uh, Henry did it towards the end. I think Henry at the very end had his best, you know, he kind of laid out. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And that's what people need to hear. He got an ovation at the end of it. So whatever. It's uh, like I said, they cheered me. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I mean, that right there shows how you know exactly what you're doing in this industry because our next topic was going to be the new roster and the state of some of these new additions. Out of those new additions, is there a a particular personality that you're looking forward to talking to? Yeah, you got, I mean, everyone's going to love Justin Turner. Uh, Everyone's going to, I mean, this guy won the Roberto Clemente Award last year for character and and what he does. Uh, he, He was the heart and soul of that Dodgers dynasty for a long time. And, and, you know, we're, we're the Dodgers East now, right? Kike and, and yeah. Justin Turner and, and Kenley Jansen. I mean, we're bringing all the Dodgers over here and Alex Cora, who uh, I believe what's that Verdugo Verdugo. Good point. Uh big year for him. A really important year for him. Yeah. He's been a good player. 
it's time for Alex Verdugo to show that he can be a great player. Because if he's not ready to do that, his I don't want to say days are numbered, but the impact, you know, he, he goes from a guy that they were at one point batting cleanup last year. Uh, there could be way back at the back of that uh, that lineup, and and with with Ref Snyder here and uh, Tapia, you know they've got some options in the outfield. So, uh, but Turner is the guy. Uh, he, you know, what I think this team is all about is it's Rafi Devers' team now. Okay, he's got the biggest contract in team history, and he says, "No, no, I'm not a leader." Well, you are. You you don't get to choose. When they give you that, you become a leader. Now, what I do think they've done is created this kind of leadership committee that is going to help Ravi Devers become the leader they hope he can be. And that is Kike Hernandez and Justin Turner and Adam Duvall and Kenley Jansen. These guys are in short-term deals here, uh, but they have been leaders who have won championships, and I think they're going to be a really important group to set the tone. And there's been some kind of sort of whispers about the mood. The attitude in the clubhouse hasn't been great. Uh, over the last year. J.D. Martinez is a different cat. He's not a bad guy at all. He's a good guy, really good guy, but he's very caught up in his swing mechanics and what he's doing. Bogey was a great leader. Uh, The pitchers, you've had some salty guys out there dealing with injuries, which doesn't help. So I think they've tried to go out and get guys who they believe will really change the mood and the character in the clubhouse, and that can help. Absolutely. I mean, that starts next week, right? Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday is uh, the first workout for pitchers and catchers. So uh, a chance to see, you know, you never know how long you're going to get to see a healthy sale. So tune in because yeah. you want to <laughs> see him pitching while he can. Uh, I, You know, he's a guy who who said all the right things that went a weekend, right? That I've got a lot to prove. I got to prove that I'm worth the money. I got to prove to the fans I don't suck. I, gotta, I love that, you know, because if he stays healthy, I think he's going to be driven. He might not be the guy he was six years ago, but he could still be one of the better pitchers. Uh, in the game. So, yeah, we get going Wednesday. Uh, we do our show starting Monday. Uh, Red Sox and Fort Myers every night at 6. Jemai Webster hosts the first couple because I'm doing the bean pot. And then I go down and start Wednesday. I start to – I don't mess around. I show up when the work or workouts begin. Pitchers, catchers, <laughs> and I report on Tuesday. And uh, and then we do that right up to the first game. And I'm doing play-by-play in the first game against Northeastern, which – is that's 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 when you know your third man in line when your third string uh play-by-play guy because nobody wants to do the northeastern game because you've got college kids yeah they're gonna put everyone remotely involved in that northeastern program in uniform and on the field so they can all be part of this and by the seventh inning you're gonna have some pitcher for the red sox number 98 pitching to you know the equipment manager of the northeastern huskies who they want to get in that bat uh, and so that's the beauty of spring training. I was at, I was at uh, over at Hammond Stadium once where the Twins play across town once, and it's the ninth inning, final day. Final day is always the best. Final, they go in north after the game, and, and so and they had actually early in the game when the starters were in. I probably shouldn't be saying this, but David Ortiz and Tori Hunter set up a fine that anybody who took a strike got fined a hundred bucks. Okay, so just if there's a strike, you got to swing at it. We got to get the hell out of here and go north. Okay, so they. <laughs> And then when the other guy, and then they get out quick, they're on the bus showering, waiting at the airport while the game's still going on, right? And uh, and this guy comes out in right field, and I get a call from the press box upstairs, and it's Red Sox PR asking me if I know who that is out in right field, because they have no idea who that is. So I lean into the Red Sox dugout, and it must have been uh, Tommy Goodwin. Goodwin was the uh, first base coach at the time. 
No, you know what it was? It was, uh, it was uh, Chili Davis. Chili was the hitting coach. And I, I looked over at Chili, and I said, hey, who's that in right field? And he looks at me, and he looks out in right field. And he looks back at me, and he says, I have no idea. <laughs> like, what is going on here? Come to find out, it was like some low-A rookie tryout guy that they said, yeah, get over there in case we go through five right fielders. And they did. Uh, but that's the beauty of spring training. I mean, it's a literally you – get, you get guys – like we're playing Tampa Bay, let's say, this afternoon. And Tampa Bay comes over and you get some travel roster and there's three guys that just don't seem to exist. They're not on baseball <laughs> reference. They're not in the Tampa Bay media guy. Like, who the hell are these guys? They're like guys they picked up at Burger King in Sarasota on the way over. <laughs> you know, they're just – we needed three more bodies. So you really – once you get through spring training, it's nice. You actually get to like 28 – you know – 26 man roster on a given night that's a beautiful thing no, that's the yeah. beauty of spring training i'll remember that there'll be like different guys with the same number and you or dave o'brien whoever's doing the game <laughs> yeah. is like i have no yeah. idea who that is yeah. so you know, yeah you hope one of them is like you know you know that i don't know that yeah you just you're hoping that somebody is so obvious that one guy is like six five and the other's five eight so <laughs> yeah. you can sort of figure out which one of the two number 15s it is you know yeah um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to, uh, it's just, but it is what's fun about it uh, because you really do. And I'll tell you what, yeah. The other thing is you buy into some of these, you know, spring trading uh, uh, results. I'm trying to, the name's escaping me. There was some infielder who at one, one year I did about a dozen of the spring trading games and, you know, he played every game and hit like 370 and, you know, I mean, it was one of the first cuts. No, you're like, wait, wait, this guy's been, you know, uh, uh, who's the guy in Worcester last year? Ryan Fitzgerald led the, led the Red Sox with six home runs in spring training. And I talked to him after, after late in the spring training. You a Ryan Fitzgerald guy? We, yeah, we him. had him on the pod. He's the best. Isn't he the best? He is. He is. I, you I taught me my hair care routine. Yeah, I could see that. Big hockey <laughs> yeah. guy, hockey hair. Uh, you know, and Ryan Fitzgerald. Tom Fitzgerald played for the Bruins, is now front office for the Devils. His son, Ryan Fitzgerald, is a hockey player. He's in the minor leagues. I, I forget the duck system or something. So I actually promised Ryan Fitzgerald, the baseball player, that I would get the two of them together. I've, I've failed on doing that so far, but we're working on that. I also tried to get Stephen Wright, the comedian, to meet Stephen Wright, the knuckleballer, <laughs> once. But, but that, that also didn't work out. Uh, the... Um, but but Ryan Fitzgerald, like you're like, oh my, and I, you know, I don't know if you guys talking about this. I asked him, like, did you ever think you were gonna make the? Cl-? And he's like, no. He's like, that's the beauty of it. I knew I could strike out five times in a game or go five for five with five grand slams, and it wasn't gonna make a difference. He goes, and that was really beautiful because <laughs> I I never stressed. I was never grinding because I knew I wasn't gonna make the team. And he went out and had a great spring and. I thought there were a couple times where they might call him up during the season, uh, but he was never on the 40 man. And yeah. And then, you know, I mean, some of it self-inflicted, right? He didn't get vaccinated. And there was one time where I really thought he could get the call up. They were going to Toronto and he wasn't vaccinated. So he couldn't go. So I know that's a personal choice, but in that case might've cost him his, his call up there. So I, you know, he's a guy who, boy, you talk about a guy who uses analytics. Mm. I mean, he has just, and he's got bats. Did you guys get into his bats? His bats are like golf clubs. Like he's got an axe handle bat, a regular bat, a big knot bat, a small. He's got like six bats, game ready, that based on what the guy throws, oh, I'm going to go with the axe handle on this guy. And he's like just that, thinks about hitting in a way I've never seen another hitter. And yeah. it, it has made, turned him 
from like a a a probably you know not going to make it prospect to a guy who has a real chance to make it someday. Yeah, I remember this one quote he had. It was like every pitch, every at bat, every situation. All I'm trying to do is hit a homer. I just love that mentality. <laughs> <laughs> How great is that? He's really good defensively too, by the way. Yes, really he is. good middle infielder. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we could talk to you forever about Red Sox baseball. We'll let you, we'll let you get back to we'll do it again on your two hundredth. All right. You bring me back. There we go. Hundred episodes. Bring me in. Okay. <laughs> exactly. God willing. Wait. How many do you do a week? You have to do like ten a week. I'll be back in a few weeks. Be exactly. Cool. Yeah. We can speed that up for you. Perfect. We appreciate you coming on. It was a great great talking to yeah. you. All right, guys. Uh, that was a blast. Stay in touch and uh, keep up the great work. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, TC. Cool. Appreciate All it. right, guys. Take care. Whoosh. There you have it. TC with an electric interview uh, for our episode 100 here. Um, he was a blast to talk to. I mean, I going into it, I had a, a feeling that he was going to be an awesome conversation. Um, but he he i think he blew all of us away we were talking a little bit after the interview it oh, yeah. he was incredible he was funny engaging and everything that you see on tv he is he, he's awesome no one better for episode 100 i mean big Absolutely. shout out to tc that was like easily the best interview i think we've ever done like not only did he give us quality answers he just elaborate he elaborated on everything started new conversations like it wasn't an interview he we knew where just... we were going before we knew what we were going yeah cool. he was jumping he was transitioning to our next topic without him even knowing it was our next topic incredible yeah, yeah. Um, second and now we have a guest for episode 200 yeah, yeah exactly he'll be back for episode 200 so Love come back in that. four years <laughs> you want to hear us talk to tom karen again yeah <laughs> Uh, no, he was awesome. He had some great stories for us too. It's always cool to hear the, the behind the scenes because when you're watching on Nesson um, before and after the games, you don't really know what else is going on except what they're showing. So it's cool to see the whole um, how he like DoorDashes or Uber Eats food right when they get off air and the game starts. How he gets cranky if he's not beamed up. Exactly. Drinking uh, large ice Duncan black. Yeah, black that, iced coffee. I'm a I'm an iced me. coffee drinker, but it's just not the not the way to go. Black. No, I'm I, a black. I started coffee. my morning today with a large black ice. So there you go. Joey does it the TC way. Yeah, yeah so bean up. There's not enough flavor, bro. It Garrett, Yeah, but it's dude. so it's the it's the bitterness that wakes you up. You bro, gotta get beaned up, bitter. Garrett. Like, it gets the down. people it's going. Ice. It's not even like coffee flavored. I mean, it is, but not that much. Gotta get your beans. I mean, I'm I'm a little beamed up right now, Loki. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've had many interviews. We've learned a lot of things from Tom Karen. We've learned to be beamed up. That's we've right. learned how to take care of our hair from Ryan Fitzgerald. That's right. Tom Karen complimented my hair. I mean, kinda. I yeah. take it as a compliment. I I think. yeah, I would. Yeah, that was funny. That was uh, I'll, yeah. Uh, Tom so, Karen complimented my hair. No big deal. <laughs> when I was editing this, I saw that clip, obviously, and. What did Brian Fitzgerald say? Because I was trying to remember. Because I, I need I to change something up and I forget. All, all oh, I think I remember all, this. He it, said was either, no, it was either no shampoo or no conditioner. It was one or the no, other. Listen to me. Listen to me. Shampoo kills. Lily knows <laughs> I say this. I've heard, I've heard you say this kills. so many times. I say this all the time. It ruins your hair. It completely washed. Like, and he taught me that. And since that day, I've understood Stop it with the shampoo, and then your hair will get a little puffy. The problem is so, I did just work out, so it's not really like... How often do you shampoo? 
Like never. I just wash it with soap. When's what's soap? soap? You have to clean it so it doesn't get stinky. Yeah, that's what shampoo's soap? for. Yeah. No, shampoo rips the oils dude, out of your hair dude, and then dude, conditioner dude, puts artificial do, 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 do. oils into your hair. Shampoo is hair soap. Yeah. Shampoo what soap are you putting oils, wait, soap rips you oils out of your hair. And so then you put you so put does soap in it. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Do you bro, who do you think knows better? The person who hasn't been using shampoo or the person who is a little stinky sheep like you. <laughs> I very vividly remember Ryan Fitzgerald talking about coconut butter or something. I don't remember. <laughs> I thought yeah. I thought it was cocoa butter. No shampoo. Coca <laughs> or was it coconut, coconut oil? Coconut cocoa, it's one of oh, those. Coconut oil, it was coconut yeah. oil. Coconut oh, oil. We were kind of there. Butter? Yeah, we should get some of that. Y'all, no one's putting butter in their hair, you slow, stinky sheep. <laughs> It's smell you from here. That's a thing. Coconut, co ah! co cocoa, cocoa butter is like a moisturizer, I think. Yeah, that's why I thought that's what he meant. I know that Colby Rasmus used to put lotion in his hair. Really? Yeah. There's a name for you, Colby Rasmus. I hated him. I really did not like him. We were just talking about Fernando Rodney right before this too. We're pulling some names out of nowhere today. Ooh, you know what? That just inspired me. I, I, I'm gonna go pull up the Red Sox roster from episode one, and I'll, I'm going to find the most random player on set. That's such a good idea. All dude. right. What was that, 2019? 2019. Yeah. Um, wait, think. was that the year of Kashner? Jason, was that the year that we... It was the out? year Andrew Kashner. We got him at the deadline because I remember making a quote card that said, um, if we're looking around on play for players on the Orioles to help our team, we're not in a good spot. And that's when we traded for Andrew Kashner. I think that was one of our very few emergency pods where we just ripped into Dave. And then oh, the emergency pods are the best. They yeah. are. They're really funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, I th I didn't even have to look down the entire list, and I have a winner. Do you remember him? The man, the myth, the legend. Gorky's Hernandez. Gorky's Hernandez. I do remember him. He wore number 40. I really hope I'm that's right. <laughs> Um, forty-seven. So close. All right. Thorn, oh, Thornburg get... had had forty-seven. Oh, he don't forget had... about Tyler Thornburg. We loved yeah, him. He did. Wait a minute. <laughs> I think. All I'm right. right. So Gorky's Hernandez is one. I'm. I'm gonna throw out a couple. Juan Centeno. Oh, he was a catcher, right? Yes, uh, he no, played seven sure. games. Seven. There we go. All right, here's a couple others. Colton Brewer, I remember him. Oh, we, we I remember. On this I podcast. predicted Colton Brewer to be the best reliever in the bullpen. I remember that. I thought he was going to be <laughs> insanely good. He was from the Brewers. Bobby Pointer, the the Padres. Sorry, Mike Shawarin. Mike Shawarin. Yes, Mark Shawarin. And Erasmo Ramirez. Oh yeah. All right, one more, one more, because we we had fun with this guy on the pod. Julius Chassin. Julius Chassin. Yeah. Julius Chasen. As, uh, Google, <laughs> as Google says. Why do, we, why do I remember Julius Chasen? We couldn't figure out how to pronounce his name, so we typed him into like Google Translate, and the Google Translate lady was like, Julius Chasen. I remember that. That's great. The, hey, he made 35 appearances last year, okay? And he only what? had a seven six one ERA last year with us. Last year, how for do who? you make thirty five Rockies? 
Wow. How do you make that many appearances with an ERA that bad? <laughs> Ever heard of Ryan Weber? <laughs> That's true. One up you, Ryan Brazier. Yo. <laughs> exactly. You guys uh you guys remember that only Joey and Jason, I think, went. Was that a what two inning game? Do we? Yes. Remember? Yeah. Play. Why did twelve that minutes? It was twelve, 12 minutes. minutes. Jason, I got sunburnt that day. That Real bad. He was hot. So what happened was we were playing the Royals. I don't remember why it got post, but was it just it was rain? suspended due to rain in the tenth inning? So it was suspended, and then they picked it back up, and it was extra innings, and so Brock Holt walked it off, and so it lasted twelve minutes. But they had this whole promo where it was like general admission, so it was free to get in, and hot dogs were a dollar, and so and they kicked everyone and you out. You could sit wherever you wanted, in, right? Well, they kicked everyone out because it was over. Well, they had a game right after. They kicked everyone out and had another. Yeah, game. they kicked everyone out for like a normal game. But I remember, like we we went and it was got to be in the summer because it was crazy hot. It was at probably a hundred, and Joey and I go and we're sitting right behind home plate because we got there early, chowing down on the one dollar hot dogs, covered in sweat, getting sunburnt like crazy, and we're out there. I, I took a mic and a little recorder because we we're like recording live reactions, and so I'm just sitting behind home plate with this mic. And we're like commentating on the game in front of us, and the people around us are looking at us like, "What are these guys doing?" I remember this kid being like, "Ask his mom, like, what are those guys doing with the mic?" Um, and we did like tell some people for a podcast or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, okay." I thought they were gonna be like, "Oh, cool, what's it called?" I'm gonna listen. They're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else is funny is that's not the only walk off that this pod has been at, because we were at a walk off. We saw Devers walk off the Blue Jays. He hit like a like a really weird bounce. Yeah, yep. I don't think Joey was there. <laughs> I was at McDonald's. I watched that game at <laughs> McDonald's. Um, it was it was like yeah. the second game of the twenty nineteen, the second home game of twenty nineteen. Yeah, that's right. We got little like memorial World, World Series, Series rings. rings. I remember and, that. Like, oh it was that God, was a crazy yeah. game. I lost my voice that night because we went to school Dude. the next day and I couldn't talk. I got like a horrible, horrible stomach cramp from eating a sausage, and I had. To oh make my god! You made my dad pull over on the highway because you were just struggling with that. Yeah, I was like, I was in hell. I like, I, my stomach was exploding, and then all of a sudden, two minutes in the bathroom, it was all good. After I that. gotta say something, Garrett. <laughs> I know you. I know you love your Fenway sausages, but I have a very similar reaction to that. If and when I do indulge in a Fenway sausage, Usually, they're good. Honestly, bro, pay the price. I eat the um, and this is a little bit tough because I was very passionate back at, back in the day. But I do usually eat the tasty burger, uh, when I go. I don't so. think I. The tasty burger is elite, but it's it's only out in right field, right? I there yeah, there might be only one. But we're sure so excited we this to share seats in right field, so makes sense. So excited this year to go to a bunch of Sox games and go up to the Truly Deck and spend $15 on a two-ounce seltzer. Yeah, Joe, I'm still bitter about that time you and I were there. That's mad. <laughs> I should ask you see about, um, about the prices because he hinted at it a little bit. When he was talking about Winter Weekend, I remember, he was like, uh, you guys are the highest, six highest payroll and you still friggin' charge all these prices for tickets. It's crazy. I'm glad to see he's like a real... Like he gets it, you know what I mean. He's like a common man. He's a dog. <laughs> he's one of the. He's a one of dog, the dog, dog, dog. dogs for real. <laughs> yeah. Um. Any I do. Red Sox news. I yeah. I was gonna say I do want to talk a little bit of socks on this on this Red Sox podcast. 
Uh, we're talking about Gorky's Hernandez. Gorky's, that just sounds wrong, but it's correct. His name's a plural. His first name's a plural. Yeah. Multiple Gorky's. Um, Gorky's Hernandez's number we were talking about. And we have another number to talk about. Justin Turner, and his is two. You know who else wore two? Oh. Xander Bogarts. And Xander Bogarts just left. That's um, wild. I, so it, it came out like it was on the at bat app or the Red Sox website or something that Justin Turner's number is two. And we're like, Oh, that's probably just temporary. Like there's no way that he's that stupid to pick the number of the Red Sox captain who just left. Um, but it was confirmed by him and the Red Sox that his number is going to be two. So, uh, how do we feel about that? Um, I mean, so not a great way to start first. Yeah, at first I was mad about it because, like, obviously, like, it's unbelievably disrespectful to Xander Bogarts. He's the best shortstop in the franchise history. Um, that number should be retired for him. He more than deserves it, two rings. He's got everything. Like, he is, he has nothing left to prove. It should be retired, and it should be out of circulation. But I will say, if you're, if, if you're going to give that number away, there's no one better than Justin Turner to take it because he is so well-respected and like, at least you're not giving it to Jaron Duran or Ryan you know, Brazier. Ryan Brazier. Yeah. Imagine Ryan Brazier on the mound. Number two. <laughs> <laughs> how many, uh, how many rings does Turner have? He has one. Just the COVID ring? Yeah. So but, like, I, I, I see what you're saying, but I also disagree. Yeah, like, no, I, think, I, I don't. So there's two really things I disagree with, with. One, Justin Turner is a, what, he's 36 years old and he's going to be here for maybe a year, maybe two. So I don't, I wouldn't say that he is like the, the best guy that you could give it to. Maybe on the current roster, like maybe. Um, but he's going to be here for a year or two. And he's a veteran guy. He's not even a star. Um, I don't think it's fair to call him a star. Um, so I don't know if he's the guy to give it to. I don't also, I don't agree with the fact that Xander's number should be retired. Like, yeah, I'm a huge Xander Bogarts guy and it would be cool if it was retired, but he's probably going to end up playing more games for the Padres than he will would have for us, like has for us. And he's all, I don't know. Retiring numbers is weird to me. Like David Ortiz obviously makes sense. Played with the Red Sox his whole career and is a hall of famer. Pedro hall of famer. Um, all the other numbers, like I think Hall of Fame status kind of equals number retirement, especially when you have that effect on like one team primarily. Is Xander Bogarts a Hall of Famer? I think it's way too soon to kind of predict that into his career. Not right now. No way. I think he's on the right path. Yeah, but not even close right now. Yeah. So Ooh, I, I actually have something. Let This is going back to the first episode. We talked about Dustin Pedroia's Hall of Fame candidacy. Do you think Dustin Pedroia's number should be retired? What did he get? Because it's it's out of circulation. No one's worn it since him. What accolades do you have? Two rings, uh, rookie of the In year, a, three rookie rings? of the year, MVP. I mean, you can technically give him three because he played like three games in 2018. But no, uh, two. 07, 13, 18. Yeah. Okay. But like four gold gloves. Mm-hmm. No, that's an all-star. The bar, the bar should be really high. That's not high enough. Well, you got to remember what Pedroia also means to the franchise. Like he, well, he's, yeah, that's he's what I mean. a bona fide leader. 
You can retire. That's why Red doesn't the Red Sox Hall of Fame exist? Or well, that's what I was gonna say is I think he's a Red Sox Hall of Famer, and I'm pretty sure I said the exact same thing episode one. I think he's a Red Sox Hall of Famer, but I I I don't think he crosses the line to MLB Hall of Fame. Yeah, if he stayed healthy, stayed healthy, he'd be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. If you're the Sox and you've won four rings, should his number be retired? Because like think about he played more years on the Red Sox than Pedro did. Obviously, Pedro had two of the greatest seasons in MLB Pedro's history. Pedro's like but... one of the best pitchers to ever live. I know. I know. <laughs> but, okay, Johnny Pesky. His number's retired. He wasn't a very good player, but he meant a whole lot to the franchise. He has a pole named after him, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't I, don't see the, I don't see the Pedroia pole at Fenway. Laser show. They, they got okay. new lights. They're going to do light shows, which is kind of like a laser show. Okay, I'm biased because Pedroia is like my favorite player of all time. I think his number short. should be retired. And I think there's a reason that no one can sense. <laughs> Not going to address that. Okay. Um, I didn't even hear it. He called you short. Yeah, I mean, I am, but that's okay. At least I'm, yeah. 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 Uh. Anyways. Yeah, no, I, I don't, retiring a number is a, a big thing in my mind because then no one else can ever wear that number ever again. So you have to be a pretty significant player for that. Um. And you can't retire everyone's, I look at the Yankees, like they're going to run out of numbers. And yeah. it also takes, I think it takes a little bit of the, 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 how special it is and the meaning away from it when you're just retiring everyone's number. Um, I, I really I'm do more think so it's saying that if Bogarts had remained a Red Sox for the rest of his career, like chances are that number's getting retired because also, like, right, but yeah, he's not. Years? Yeah. So also, it, it is a bad look to give it away right away. Yeah, so what I was going to say is, like, give it a year or two to breathe. Like, just don't take it immediately. Um, it's still it, – it shocks me that Justin Turner did that. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Because it's not like he was two with the Dodgers. He was ten with the Dodgers. He was two for the his entire career before that. Low-key, guys. So he does have a connection yeah. to it. I don't yeah. really care. Bogarts is gone. That's fair. That's, I was that, wondering that, if, that's like, honestly like someone on – like uh like someone on the team told Turner to do it and was like John Henry I don't know like like <laughs> we just lost our captain please take number 2 I mean Plus honestly every, though like everyone forget about him you let him go if you let him go like you did and then you continue to like worry about it you're like it's like breaking up but still holding baggage it's like he's gone you broke up peace like it doesn't matter anymore it would be Any weird point? to like see him go, but then still hold on to this weird idea that we used to have him. Like if he's if you're gonna set him out, complain about him leaving, but also you, you can't hold on to it forever. That's a really good point, and they did that with Nomar. Like Zue Lin wore Nomar's number, <laughs> so like Red Sox legend Zue Lin. Yeah, and, um, and honestly, like maybe. I mean, uh, this is a Red Sox podcast, but the Cowboys don't rec- to retire anyone numbers. Uh, Who cares about the pissed. Cowboys? Listen to me. People got pissed. Everyone loved Des Bryant, and everyone got pissed when CeeDee Lamb just took his number. But, like, whatever. They just move along. He's new. He's playing now. You're going to watch him on the TV. Just I, I, I think football is a different game because you have a 53-man roster versus a 26-man roster. And number restrictions. Yeah. No, but, fair enough. 
That well, was just, also, I, I, just move along. I don't know. I th- yeah, now that you say that, like I do agree. You're right, because at the end of the day, someone will wear number two in the future. We didn't know when. But, you know, I guess it is a little – it's not the best look that they gave it away right away, but also – it, you know, in the grand scheme of things, maybe it is a good thing because they're moving on right away. And is that a little disrespectful to Bogarts? Yeah, but you know, the whole thing was the, the disrespectful part was before. I, yeah, I they lowballed him. That was the ultimate disrespect. And I mean, you spat in his face one more time, I guess, by giving away his number. But life moves on. Someone's got to wear it. I, I, I don't mean, think he's all that beaten up about it, so I don't think we need to. I be. don't think Xander really cares Dude, anymore. He's gonna love it in look, San Diego. Look, everyone knows that in a breakup, you need a rebound. You need a buffer before you get into another serious relationship, and that's what Justin Turner is. He's the rebound. Yeah, he's more than that. I like JT. He'll be here for a year. That's Two. hilarious, Jason. <laughs> Why'd you well, make he, that face? He's gonna be a clubhouse leader. Like, can we? Can we move on and talk about what's really important? And that's the video of Chris Sale running. I have that's not seen this video. I need to look this up. <laughs> I I saw. I'm it sorry. Time. Like I, it's pretty funny. But his stride is so big and he moves so slow. Who tweeted? Spring, it? spring training starts in a week. Who tweeted it? Just look up Chris Sale running. Chris Sale. Um, baseball about to get started again. New sock season. I am ready to be hurt again by this team. Nah, they're gonna surprise. It's gonna be great. I'm an optimist. I, you know what? It's a, it's a like TC said. It's a lot of new guys, and it's, but it take has- out the World Series from 2013. Like it's a completely, like clean slate. You got a bunch of, you got a bunch of respected veterans and a really good bullpen. You know, you like, ever seen a robot run? That's what Chris Sale looks like. <laughs> well, like the well, that's because like he is the robot dogs. Like what? Like the robot dogs? Yeah, more like robot humans. Prefer I've never seen robot human run. Like in the movies, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, where they're all um, they're like they make that noise when they run. It's like ee, ee, ee. Bro, that's what Chris Sale sounds like. I ever looks see... like. If I ever see a Boston Robotics dog on the side of the road or something, I'm kicking it as hard as I can. Okay, okay. You're probably going to break your foot. Those things I disagree. I'll kick it with the bottom of my foot. I mean, I... It's more of a stomp. Yeah, I'll stomp it. Whatever, bro. Vocab boy. You know what I'd do? I'd jump on its back and see if I can ride it around. Right into the sunset. (laughs) Yeah, on my robot dog. Yeah, I was gonna make another dugout dog joke, but I think we're we're past that. Um, dugout dog. <laughs> dogs, yeah, barks. Uh, All you like, dugout dogs. The next time we record, spring training will have started, and like we'll be getting into it. Like baseball is baseball is about to be back. Oh, we'll be getting into it. We'll be right in in it. In, in doing it, the thing. Dugout. Yeah. Doing doing the baseball. In that talk. dugout. Uh, yeah, sitting on that bench, chewing those seeds, spitting that, chewing that gum, spitting those seeds, what I was trying to say. Anyways, uh, we traded Matt Barnes for Richard Bleer. Please. Woo! We talked about Matt Barnes leaving. That's that. You can listen to us talk about that in the last episode. But Richard Bleer, welcome to the Red Sox. Left-handed reliever. He had three box in one inning. So that's pretty impressive. He likes that's to, so he lit, likes to bro. break that's records lit. and do, he likes to be unique. I like that about him. Um... I'm sure he's got some stats too. 
He had like a 350 ERA. Probably got potential. Definitely got stats. They needed a bullpen. Stats are. He had a 3.55 ERA and 3.27 FIP in 50 and two thirds innings last season. He's had a a 3.06 career ERA in seven seasons with the Yankees, Orioles, and Marlins. Sounds good to me. Take that all day. And he's a lefty, which is good because we traded Josh Taylor. So yep. I mean, I think it bullpen still looks really good. They have their they have the lefties that they need, uh, Jolie and. and Richard Blyer, but like bullpen's full now, and it it's a good looking bullpen. That's why it's they're going to win games this year. They will definitely win uh, multiple games. I think so. Yes, I hope so. Well, uh, they don't have the power, so let's see it, Alex Cora. Get creative, figure it out. Steroids. Yeah, we got nothing to lose. What if we told the whole team to juice? I was trying to, so I was trying to tell my intramural team to do that, but I, people just yeah. can't get on board with that nowadays, and that's what's wrong with society. I it makes a certain appendage friend. smaller. Yeah, we didn't win, but what did you say? It makes a, a steroid. No, Garrett, what did Garrett say? They caught the passes. I don't think the trend helped them with their hand-eye coordination, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, there's really not much else to talk about uh, in terms of the Red Sox. Nothing's really going on. The The roster seems like it's pretty much as finalized as it's going to get at the moment unless they, they surprise us with something. Uh, maybe a little starting pitcher. That'd be cool. But for now, this looks like the team that we're bringing into at least spring training, which starts next week. Um, and it is it is going to be fun to talk about real baseball again because in these seasons where we don't make the playoffs, the off season just feels so much longer feels like I haven't watched the – especially – I also – that's right. We kind of stopped watching the Red Sox collectively at the end of the season because no one cared about them. So it's been a while since I actually was invested in a Red Sox game. So it'll be fun to have them back and have real things to talk about again. Yeah, it will be nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope you enjoyed the Tom Karen interview. Um, and again, thanks for listening to the In the Dugout podcast. Um, if you've been with, uh, with us for all 100 episodes or if you're just joining us now, thanks for listening. We really appreciate every single one of you out there tuning in. Um, and like I said, we have a ton of great content down the road for you as the season gets underway. So stick around for that. Um, but until the next episode, We'll see you later. To all the Australians, crikey. Good day, mate. Australians. Yeah, I, I think we're like the number two or three top podcasts in Australia, Red Sox podcast. So we got to start catering to them. So yeah, <laughs> we appreciate you guys. I'm going to, I'm going to get who, what are they? What, someone get some Vegemite. I don't know anything about Australia. There's, I'll watch some Steve Irwin videos. There you go. Kangaroos are terrifying. I might try wrestling a gator like Jared Saltalamachia with some duct tape. (laughs) See what happens. Uh, All right, see you next time. (laughs)